One. And we're back. And we're back after a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, welcome back, everybody. My name is Tom, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andrea. Hi. That's my name. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. For anyone who's still subscribed and is confused as to why this thing showed up in your feed, I appreciate you, and please don't be too confused. Yes. And welcome to season two. Season two. Of The Other Castle. I think we left off on me having a meltdown at Thanksgiving about Assassin's Creed. No, we left off with Halo. Halo. Oh, that was fun. It was a pleasant surprise for you. Yeah, it was spooky. Yes, it was very (laughs) spooky. Yes. Well, we have another spooky game this week. Yeah. But before we get to that, I just want to say, like, we have changed formats a little bit. It's not going to be so much that I'm going to research a game and tell Andrea about it. Andrea is not going to research a game and tell me about it. We're just going to do it together. We're going co-op. Yeah. yeah. We went from single to multi. We're playing two-player on this one because it's just a lot easier that way. And I think it's going to go for a better structure of the show anyway. Yeah. There's less pressure on both of us to know the whole thing. So we can kind of fill in the gaps. Right. We both get talking points now. Yeah. Okay. So this week we are doing another iconic game. This is like Halo. This one inspired... A shitload of games to come after it. So this week we are doing the original Half-Life. I haven't played this. And I did fall down the rabbit hole on the portal uh, lore of Ratman for like two weeks straight once. So I'm kind of familiar with the world in in that it's a sister world to Portal. Well, Half-Life inspired, not, not only inspired, but... It had a modder community that ended up creating a lot of original material out of it. So you get your Counter-Strike, you've got your... Team Fortress 2. Team Fortress, Team Fortress 2, Portal. You've got all sorts of different games that came out of it. You have different engines that came out of it that went on to other games and stuff like that. So it's a huge game in the history of gaming. Yeah. And it holds a special place in a lot of gamers' hearts, especially those of us. Like, I played it in the eighth grade at my friend Frank's house. He told me about this game, just was like, hey, I think you should check this game out. It's pretty fun. And I spent the next eight hours at his house (laughs) in his parents' bedroom where they kept the computer. Bless his parents for letting him and his weird-ass friends sit in their bedroom and play. (laughs) Seriously. And, I mean, jump scares and, like... (laughs) Nearly shitting myself it's at the computer. It's scary as shit. You like, wanted me to play this, right? Yeah, I kind of wanted you to play it, but now you've seen the story. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. It holds a special place in our hearts, but after watching this and going through it again, I realized it's not for the story oh. that is holding <laughs> it in people's hearts, because there's not much of a story on this one, was there? My notes are bonkers on this, so yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really just a series of missions for this character. The main character, his name is Gordon Freeman, and he's a silent hero for the entire game. He never speaks a word, but people talk to him the whole time. So you kind of learn his his legend through the people that interact with him. Right. Um, and just to take a step back, so this was this was the first entry from Valve, right? Right. Was this their baby? Yeah, this was one of Okay. Yeah. It's really cool because we lo- did some research on the history, and Valve was started by people who 
worked on Microsoft mm-hmm. and did all these really iconic things. Um, and looking at it, it was released in November 19, 1998. So it's in its 20th year this year. Wow. 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's pretty crazy. Anniversary. Anniversary. That's God, yeah, I was in the eighth grade. That's, yeah, 20 years I ago. I was eight. I know. Um, so this came out across PC, PlayStation 2, and Linux. Linux. Yeah. Um, and I want to note that it was done by Microsoft employees, but the Xbox wasn't even around yet. The Xbox was released in 2001. So, like... That's just... Doesn't that feel weird that Microsoft built this kind of, like, started this foundation for gaming, but didn't have their own console they just didn't yet? didn't have it yet, yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's funny. So this is pre-Halo, so this even, like, inspired Halo later on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of, like, the building blocks, especially with kind of the world building and character building... Um, and the creatures, the, I mean... That's what I meant by, like... Yeah, the bad guys are very similar to the Flood in Halo. Which are spoopy AF. Yes. Um, but I just, I think it's so funny that this came before the console that, like, Microsoft built. Right. <laughs> it, that's fascinating to me. As we get into the game, so the game opens with, what, do, what did you say, about a five, six-minute sequence? Of... Yeah, it's about a five, six-minute tram ride with... Uh, a tram-tastic day. Yeah, it's just his his commute, essentially. Gordon Freeman's commute into work, and it's into some very obviously top-secret government building. But the building is underground, and he's on this tram ride, and it's going through, and you kind of get to know the the facility, and it shows it shows off some of the uh, locations that you're going to see later in the game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I guess from the surface down, basically. So it's it's kind of a descent into the world, which is fitting and wonderful. Um, one note that I had was that it's 68 degrees in there at all times, so you would be miserable. Oh my god, Tom is a col- so cold. Tom gets cold very easily. I mean, he gets to wear that hazmat suit the entire game, so I'm, I'm hoping that keeps him a little warmer. But Yeah, and a lot of the scientists oh. you see have a full button-up plus a jacket, the lab coat. Well, yeah, there's only two types of characters in the entire game. Yeah. There's have doctors and security guards. Yeah, and they all have layers, but I'm just... And they're all men. Right. Also, okay, you want to get into this shit? We not can get yet. into this. We're not there no? yet. All right. Do you I, want to? I got some in the barrel. I'm ready. I, I can tell. I didn't realize you were going to be that triggered. Trig- <laughs> I'm just so liberal. <laughs> <laughs> Riddle me why the fuck. Okay. You have this secret government organization that's all about chemistry, biology, fucking nuclear science, physics, all this shit. There are no Asians. Ooh, that's fair. What the shit? We were around in the 90s. No, that's very true. It's kind of bullshit. But it's like positive racism at that point. Positive racism. Yeah. Are they black? There's Oh, there's like one black oh, Yeah, sci- no, there are. There's black scientists. There's no Latina, Latino scientists. There's no female scientists. No, it's pretty much just black and white. Yeah, literally. There's, there's only three character models. It's literally black and white. Okay, so... At the- one point in the game, you stopped me and asked me, are these all the same character or is it just the same character model? <laughs> I was like, no, it's all just the same character model. And there's only two, like, there's three character models and two voices. Right. Um, So for the scientists, there's the one black guy with glasses. He Mm kind of looks like Samuel Jackson in Jurassic Park, where he has the glasses and the lab coat, a little bit of hair. A little bit, He's a little more slender than... Um, a little Samuel older Jackson. too. Yeah, but I that was the vibe I was getting. Okay. Um, There's one that looks like Tony Hale. Got you, yep. And then there's the colonel. And then there's the colonel. Yeah. Who could be basically KFC man. <laughs> Who's like slightly different enough that 
I felt like he would be significant, but he kept showing up. But then you <laughs> were like, no, that's co- those are completely different NPCs. These are all completely that are not characters. the same person. Because I was like, this bitch is running. Like, <laughs> he went from room to room. I saw him die a few times, mm-hmm. but he's fine. But he, he, he keeps dying over and over <laughs> yeah, again. He's in purgatory at this point. It's just his own little horrible place that he lives inside of. But that's in the middle of the game. We're still at the okay. very beginning. All right. Okay. We're still so, at the beginning of the so game. So we're in the tram. You're the only person on the tram, and it's no when you get off that you're late so gordon's kind of a shit yeah but everybody <laughs> seems to praise him like everybody you encounter is like oh my gosh it's gordon freeman he's here and he's 27 do they say that at he's, some point? he explicitly say that he is 27 years old and okay. he's, he's got like a med degree right he's like yeah he's he, a doctor dr gordon freeman yeah. so he's fresh out of fucking college at this point if he took like the general route unless he was like one of those kids that graduated high school at 15 and God, college he's 27, at 27, really? That Doesn't that feel really young? It does, because you look at the box art, and I mean, he looks like Walter White. <laughs> he's like a rough 27. Yeah, like, he does not look good for 27 if he's 27 years old. I might have just been a little, like, wired or too into watching the gameplay, but when they said he was 27, I spiraled. And was like, what is his life? Like, does do his parents support him? Like, he he's too young to have, like, good credit. Like, I have great credit. And I'm 28. But, like, he's so young. I know. And, like, his student loans must be insane. So he probably has bad credit. I, I think that we should have Credit Karma come in and give us an analysis on Gordon Freeman. I mean, imagine if he works for the government. He probably went military right out of school, so. You think so? And then just went straight in. But, like... I feel like he would have to get an honorary doctorate at that point. Just the timeline doesn't make sense. It's true. I'm throwing my hands up. I don't up know how it's happened. It's okay. We don't have to think about that. <laughs> Video game logic, right? Yeah. Best not to think about. But yeah, he's 27. He's late to work. When you're in your mid-late 20s, you're rolling in so late to work, there's no one else on the tram going into your office with you. <laughs> you're Everything hungover. Everything is up and running, like, when you get there. Yeah, like, they um they already had some issues with the technology, like, when he gets to the front desk, the, um, the docent... What the fuck is the word for the person in the front of the desk? The front desk person? Yeah. Receptionist? Receptionist! Docent. <laughs> Oh it's God. like a museum of physics. Yeah. <laughs> so the docent is <laughs> shit. Uh admin. No, receptionist. receptionist. Receptionist is saying, you know, you already had an issue, you got a bunch of messages. So people are reaching out going, Where the fuck is Gordon? Yeah, they're all waiting on him. I think Gordon's hung over. Fair. And I'd like to think he is so miserable during the events of this game because he's, one, fighting a hangover, and two, fighting fucking goblins and aliens. Yeah, but we haven't gotten to that part. You keep skipping ahead. I'm really excited. You are so excited for this. a lot of issues with this character. Because we're still on the tram ride where (laughs) Gordon... See, this is where it, like, hints at some of the humor in the game, too, because... It's like these emergency procedures that you're hearing over the loudspeaker, but then she turns it into like a job advertisement saying like, hey, if you know anybody that wants to work yeah. in a secret government facility, they promote let their us ref- know. They promote their employee referral plan <laughs> yeah. on your drive into work. <laughs> and then you can spend your Black Mesa bucks at the Black Mesa store, basically. <laughs> and then this tram also goes over like a lake of radiation as well as they're giving warnings saying... Too long exposure to radiation could be hazardous to your health. And you're literally in a tin car just hovering over a lake of radiation. Yeah. So he finally, yeah, he gets off and he goes to the uh, to docent. your docent friend. 
And he gets told to go put on his radiation suit because he's going to be doing some intense work today. Yeah. Which, during your tram ride, he kept seeing this, like, men in black looking figure off in the distance. And this men in black figure is a recurring character throughout the game that you don't speak to or anything. He's just... You see him in the distance a whole bunch. Yeah, he's 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 keeping an eye on it. He feels a little big brother. Yeah, it's very big brother. He just he keeps he keeps popping into frame. So then you get your suit on and it has like this Jarvis voice, but what's the female Jarvis in oh, Iron Man? Um Veronica? No, Veronica's the name of the suit, right? Yeah, that's in this it's whatever. Yeah. Okay, so it's like a female Jarvis Lady kind of Harvest. thing. It just gives you your updates on your vitals and stuff constantly annoying the shit out of you with different updates about how you're doing. Did she kind of give you a gl- like an early GLaDOS vibe, though? A little bit. I felt more the, about the GLaDOS vibe with the uh, with the tram ride in with that voiceover. Okay. I felt like that person was a little bit more GLaDOS vibe but A little more snarky and like a yeah. darker sense of humor. Right, right. I get you. So that Men in Black dude, you overhear him telling some doctors to like give you this mystery sample to place inside of a highly radioactive environment. Right. So the doctors are clearly like keeping information from you, but they're also just like, hey, no, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. This is fine. Are they hazing him? I don't know that they're hazing, you know, because they they are like really excited to see him. Like, okay, Gordon, here you go. Oh, here's our lab rat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. I think that they kind of have... and. This is coming from a place of, again, like, I feel that everyone else is made to look more senior than him. Right. And he's clearly roll like, I'd assume he rolls in at 10.15 when the shit opens at 8. <laughs> holding Gatorade in his hazmat suit. Like, how do I camel back this shit? I am miserable. And they're like, yeah, get in the suit, fucko. Get like, in the suit. All right, here's your containment unit. Let's just see what this does. Yeah. So inside the unit, everything just going just fine. Mm-hmm. At first, and he's the only one in there, and he's the only, only one, we, one. He's the only one we see in a hazmat suit, right? Nobody else is wearing a hazmat suit. They're all just in doctor's robes and everything. Yeah, so they're like outside and kind of looking in while he's shuffling around, right? And the doctors are like heard on the overhead saying like, "There's some small anomalies," but like, "Ah, no, nah, it's probably nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's nuclear physics. We can round down." Yeah. So shit goes belly up real quick, and this is when Freeman finds himself in another dimension. Yeah! So when I say belly up real quick, it goes real belly up. So my notes are, I think they fuck with the young guy by making him go into the reaction chamber and blow shit up, and then my sub-bullet, in all caps, is he created nightmares. He created nightmares. (laughs) That's all I have for this segment. Yeah, there's these aliens. Some of them look like, uh, some of them kind of look like the aliens from District 9. I was getting serious alien vibes. Alien vibes? Just straight up alien. Okay, yeah, I mean, Um, totally. It's all dark and everything, and just you can hear things moving. You can't see them necessarily. Yeah, it's very spooky. Have the face huggers. There's, um, in this sequence, there's like a hunchbacked, orange-eyed cyclops thing. Yeah, that's the one I was saying. It looks more like something out of District 9. Oh, okay. Like those the long, prawns. gangly prawn-looking things. Yeah. So that kind of flashes in and out. You see him kind of climbing ladders and making sure everything's okay. And then he drops shit in and just lights. And I don't know if it's a premonition on his part or if it's teleporting. real. Yeah. yeah. I think it's teleporting. Okay. Yeah. 
And so then he's back inside the facility, just now it's all destroyed and going to hell and stuff. So he's like running through the hallways and just everybody they encountered on the way in is all fucking dead now. Yeah, Tony Hale, the first Tony Hale that he talks to is super fucking dead. And then the, the colonel's like, freaking the fuck out. You see the colonel trying to resuscitate a different Tony Hale. Yeah, and then the face hugger thing comes and runs out and jumps on him. Like, a computer explodes and one guy's head flies off even. Yeah. And, like, rolls around on the ground. It's there's some really graphic. There's some really funny deaths in this. Yeah, throughout the whole game, you just get these just random-ass deaths. Uh, it's super fun to watch too, because <laughs> it's it's funny because you think like, oh, some of them look hopeful too. Like you're like, oh, they're gonna make it. And yeah, he's climbing the ladder. Fucking no. There are his legs. Oh no! <laughs> it almost feels like the ending sequence of a uh, cabin in the woods, where there's all these scientists and they're in an underground facility, and there's monsters killing them all. I have that exact same note written down <laughs> here. Yeah, absolutely. It feels very much like cabin in the woods, which obviously this came long before that. So still so good. Still great. Eventually, you get your melee weapon, which in the first-person shooter genre, the melee weapon is an important thing, which your favorite one has always been. <laughs> the wrench. <laughs> the wrench in... In Bioshock, right. yeah. I just like a good weapon you don't have to reload. Yeah, and in this game, it's it. the crowbar. Yeah. Which, that one beca- that's that's kind of an iconic one now because of this game, is the crowbar. Cute. And the first bad guy that you really kind of encounter is the, that face hugger creature, and you just gotta beat him off and everything. It's like I said, they're they're very similar to what the flood ends up being in Halo. Yeah, I just wrote face huggers. Yeah, and they that's ju- just its own thing on my notes. They jump onto the doctors, they kind of zombify them, and like turn them into giant walking death creatures. Yeah, so we see that eventually because I do have this note that like as you progress in the game, you see these giant prawn-looking things, very District 9, and they are in pants and, like, a ripped shirt and a lab coat. So some of them are taken over by them. Some of them are just straight-up killed by them. Like, I feel like it's a little randomized how they decide to destroy someone's life. Right. And some people are clearly just standing in the open waiting to die and nothing happens to them. They are just live to tell Gordon to go left at the end of the hallway. Yeah, some of them just inexplicably live... Some of them are very much like, oh, I'm just going to stay here and wait. Yeah, which, like, as a scientist, you have to go through so many security procedures and understand, like, okay, logically, if there's a fire, I put it out or I walk away. And some people are like, I'll stand here I'll stand and stand my the ground. Fire. Also, I work in a secure, like, underground fucking government-ass fucking secret-ass facility. No one's coming to get you. Right. What's the plan, Phil? And and it's during all this that you start to realize, like, oh, this is very much a horror game. Yeah. There's lots of, like, strobing lights from the overheads. Like, there's this really cool shot where you look through a grate and you just see a person's body go ascending into the ceiling. <laughs> and then just blood and guts come falling down from the ceiling. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what? how did that person go up? Yeah. It's great. It's so many good things in this game. And it's it's... Those little things that have stuck with people over the years. Yeah. So you're accidentally creating nightmares, seeing all this horrific shit, and kind of the overarching next step is to go from the basement facility up to the surface mm-hmm. and get help. Right. I mean, this game is frustrating with the story because it's really just the series of missions. Right. And each mission kind of leads you to a dead end. 
And then you're like, well, shit. And you just kind of have to go on a different mission. There's not yeah. much story because a lot of the exposition just kind of happens between the characters that you encounter. In pieces. In just tiny little pieces. And yeah. Most of it's just people sucking Gordon's dick. Like, <laughs> you say how it's hazing at first, but now they all really seem to be like, oh, thank God you're here. He's the young buck that can actually climb a ladder and get help. Yeah. It's like when you need, like, a little sibling to use their tiny arm to grab something that fell between a crack. And you're like, well, shit, I'm too big to do it. That's what they're doing to Gordon. Yeah, that's Gordon's duty entirely. And so, you save us. So many of these are just escort missions. Like, it's hey, it's pretty much all escort missions. Whether you need to take a security guard with you to, like, push a button or to stand guard and hold off while you do something. Yeah. Or you need a doctor to open the door for you. Like, there are a just... lot of those, like, scientists need to get the retinal scan to open a door. Why? You would think in a lockdown situation where there's an emergency, they have, like, this, like, okay, let's open all the doors so people can get the fuck out of this place. Because right. they are dealing with some serious nuclear shit where if something goes wrong, people need to run. Yeah. Like... They, ha they are at a very high fire risk. They're at a very high fire risk. And they're in a facility where these dumbass doctors, they're coming running up going, Gordon, thank God you're here. And they're forgetting that there's a turret at the end of the hallway that's going to murder them the moment they make a move. Aww. And so you watch these poor doctors run to safety just to get gunned down by their own equipment. <laughs> I mean, it's very sad. It's sad. Lives were lost. Lives <laughs> These virtual lives were lost. I'm not trying to laugh, but it's really funny. Um, I have a note that just says lasers. Lasers. Talk about the lasers. How did you feel about lasers in well, this game? Well, that paired with like the Euro club bangers that just kind of go off intermittently. The music, right? The music was kind of banging. It was pretty killer. Yeah. Um, I'm old and don't party, but I assume that's what children listen to. Yeah. This game is At, 20 years 98? old. Nope. Now. <laughs> I just... You think they're listening to that right now? Right. In this moment, right okay. now. They're turning this podcast off to turn that music on and going, yo, the Half-Life soundtrack, though. <laughs> yeah, there's lasers and club music. This shit's banging. Fair. Uh, but there's a lot of lasers, and some of them feel so cheesy that they're like the Mission Impossible, like, old spy movie thing where it's like, are you going to do a flip through the lasers? <laughs> right. And they're very clearly red, and, like, lasers don't really act like that. R lasers are only really visible if you there's, like, a fog or some sort of spray to bounce off the light so it's and refractive. that's really only in movies yeah exactly and then they use like yarn to draw it out right. or it's like <laughs> clicks on because like the way that lasers work is like if there's a laser pointer and you spray it with water you'll be able to see it because the water or other things would refract it so your eye can absorb Catch it. it yeah yeah i'm more of a scientist than fucking gordon is right now and <laughs> these scientists ass dudes are just like fucking visible lasers all around lasers everywhere yeah i mean there's the different kinds of the lasers that are like you see the one laser go through a guy and just cut him in half at one point that was rad but then there's also just lasers that are attached to landmines that blow up yeah let's talk about the weaponry in this game okay it can be wild so there's a and crowbar that's one of the really cool things about this game because you get your regular guns you get your handgun you get your machine gun there's a crossbow there's a crossbow that you end up getting you end up getting an alien's arm that was weird yeah, you get that is exactly District Nine. It's basically District Nine, and but it's not that it grows onto you; it's that you kind of rip it off the alien, shove it under your own hand, and can use their very. It's, they're almost like heat-seeking projectiles that they're you shooting like at you. You like puppet it; it's so gross. Yeah, and there's all sorts of weird stuff. We'll get we'll get into more of them because some of them are story relevant. So we'll get into that later. But so the 
military finally arrives. Yeah, you're you're heading do... towards the surface, and then the notice comes that like the military's there, and they are traditional guys in like camo and almost SWAT gear though, because they have the big helmets. Right. But there's no shield, but there is like the chest thingy. Right. And if you played Counter Strike, these are the characters from that. Oh. For that game, <laughs> yeah, these are all the characters from that. And the military arrives, and what do they do? They do what they do best, just like in um. What was the zombie? Dead Rising that we played. <laughs> they fuck shit up. They're they like, nope. It's a lot easier just to wipe everything clear and start over than answer any questions. They are the control Z of, pro- like, fucking problem solving. Yeah, they're just like, let's, all right, let's, let's just... Re- we didn't do it. It was like this when we got here. Control-Alt-Delete. Yeah. Start it over. Fuck this noise. So now you got aliens and humans coming after you. There's guns... There's lasers. There's all sorts of shit. Lots of lasers. And all hell is breaking loose for you. My favorite moment, if I can just throw this out there while we're in this midpoint, yeah. is where you walk towards an elevator shaft, and it's quiet. And then, an elevator shaft, you hear it in the distance. You're staring at the elevator shaft, and you see a scientist trashing the elevator going, ah! And yeah. then you hear it go all the way down, which clearly this facility is like floors and floors and floors deeper. Right. And then an explosion. Just fireball comes this, shooting up. Yeah, but this is one of those random deaths where you're kind of figuring your shit out. You're like, okay, the military's coming. I have to be cognizant of these kind of aliens, these kind of movements, these kind of turrets. And then you look over and an elevator's just letting someone fall to their death. It's fucking hysterical. I mean, this game fucks with you in so many ways like that, too. Like, there'll be somebody hanging off a ledge and they'll be hanging there for a while like, come get me, come get me. And there's like a path that leads up to the person. So you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to come and save you. Just as you get there, they let go and fucking die. (laughs) And you just... Ugh, it's so frustrating. Like, you son of a bitch. And yeah, you look like every other dude that's in this building, old and white, essentially. But Yeah. But damn it, dude. So one of these doctors, they suggest using that long-ass tram system to escape the facility this time. So, like, just make your way out the commute, because that's slow and takes forever. But on the way, Gordon runs into this, like, tentacle creature that is... Super annoying. The green one the with the big three... green one with he... like the claws and shit. Yeah, so he kind of acts like a woodpecker where he uses his face to attack, but he looks like a Rayquaza. Okay, a... I've I've shown you this in Pokemon yeah. Go. Yeah, he's a green noodle. All right, but he like uses his face. Yeah, it's, which it's is like a beak almost. Yeah, it's it's a very woodpecker green dragon. <laughs> but it's like tentacles with that. Like, yeah. They're like a tentacle-like creature. But they respond to sounds. The whole thing is just fucking crawling and walking, which is like my least favorite thing to do in a game. It's And if a baby does it, you don't want to see it. Stealth games are just terrible for that very reason. you got to throw grenades at, to like distract it. It's dumb. But anyway. Okay, so when you're out there... Like, there's sequences where you're fighting this guy, and there's sequences when you're fighting the, uh, like, the army dudes. Mm-hmm. As a note, when you're fighting the army dudes, you get generic rock music from movie trailers. Right. And I thought that was so fucking funny. They were just like, adrenaline! <laughs> Google <Right>. search! <laughs> it's like... It's, it's just general rock, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Freeman finally gets to the rail system for like from his commute and everything, and... When he gets there, he's told, all right, now just go to the top and launch a rocket into space and put a satellite in orbit so we can use it to shoot down lasers at the aliens. Also, the rocket doesn't work, so you figure it out. But, like, this, they just say it, like, 
sure, Gordon, you know how to do this. This was our plan B the whole time. There's a rocket just sitting there waiting with a satellite with laser beams inside of it just waiting for you to launch it. This is some Elon Musk shit. Right. He just always has that ready to go. He has a submarine for saving children now. Like, there's no way he doesn't have a satellite with lasers to fight the aliens. Yeah, and this is where Gordon also finds out that his suit is full of tracking devices that both the good guys That's right. and the bad guys are using to track his every location and movement and everything. So he's just like, oh, great. So I can't hide from fucking anything. Yeah, they and they straight up say they're like, oh, yeah, we've been ready for you yeah. because we've been tracking you. And he's like, bitch, where? <laughs> what? And there's so many, like, really good cliches that happen throughout this game, too. Like, one of my favorite ones was when the one guy is like, Gordon, I have an important message for you. Make sure you don't. And then he gets shot by a sniper. (laughs) I felt like a lot of the scientists, I think I said this to you while we were watching gameplay footage, is reminiscent of the scientist in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, where he's helping... uh, Right, the guy that's helping the Green Goblin. Yeah, he's like, they asked for two weeks, and Goblin's like, two weeks? Oscorp, I'll be dead! And he loses his mind. <laughs> and then he turns into the Green Goblin and, like, kills him, and Willem Dafoe's, like, shirtless and flying around. <laughs> but they, a lot of them did remind me of that kind of scientist. So, like, if you can imagine that archetype just bumbling around and spewing out nonsense. Nonsense everywhere. Yeah, and, like, f- running into turrets. That was kind of the vibe I was getting. But kind of as the game progresses, they seem more and more sure of themselves. Right. Like, the panic is higher in the first act of the game. Right, because they don't have a plan. Yeah, and they don't know what's happening. And then they sort of they sort of understand the world that they live in and that they have to problem solve this. And then they're kind of chill. Right. They're just they're more like work the problem now. Yeah, they're like Jim and Steve are dead, but uh Yeah. I think we can probably launch that rocket. I feel like they always knew this could have happened, but they just never knew how bad it would get. Do you think it's a piece of, like, the people who survived longer were more aware of the consequences that could arise? I think so, yeah. Okay. So they're more like, ah, we figured this would happen. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people died that knew what could happen, but... Yeah, so, I mean, so, not to say that... Not to victim blame, but <laughs> but just to say that, like, I feel like a lo- we saw a lot of bodies in the beginning because they were like, holy shit, what's going on? And then as you progress, people are like... Yeah. Yeah, we figured this would Shit's happen. It's fine. You should have been here in the 80s. Yeah. We were on cocaine while this was happening. <laughs> so, out of nowhere, ninjas decide to join the fray. That's right. And these ninjas manage to trap Gordon in a room and knock him unconscious. Like, these, like there's no need for ninjas, right? Yeah. Um, that doesn't make sense because, like, Gordon's... First of all, hungover. Second of all, wearing a hazmat <laughs> suit, which I assume is going to be 20, 30 pounds because there's trackers. Also, it's that very heavy material to keep you away from radiation. From like radiation, when you yeah. go to the dentist, that thing that they put on you is like it's pretty 10, heavy. 10 pounds or so. Yeah. And that's just to protect your giblets from like the dentist lasers, which mm-hmm. aren't as strong as fucking nuclear science bombs that Gordon's doing. So I assume, he, let's say 40, 50 pounds on top of them. He's 27, so he's kind of young, so he's athletic enough that he should be able to handle it. He's not old enough that that would genuinely weigh him down, but he's exhausted. Mm-hmm. He still managed to kill a shit ton of facehuggers, Rayquaza. And people. People. Um, fucking, there were some blue big daddies around. Right. 
Which, like, okay. Oh my gosh, those things are huge and unnecessary. So many of these creatures take so many fucking hits to take down. Yeah. Like, my God, it was like watching just bullet after bullet go into these. He's like, fucking die already. Yeah. How many crowbar smacks do you need? But my point is that Gordon is exhausted. So at some point he's just like, fucking ninjas. Yeah. So I think he <laughs> sure. just, he gives into the ninjas for a minute. And he wakes up. In literal trash. Yeah, in a garbage disposal, like he's in Star Wars. Yeah, they fucking Star Wars. Into the garbage chute with him. Yeah. And their dumbasses leave him his crowbar with him. Yeah. I mean, they do strip strip him of his guns. Right, and his alien hand. And his alien hand, but he still gets to keep his crowbar. And they didn't take him out of the hazmat suit. No. He's presumably still in the hazmat suit, presumably with his trackers still on him. Right. So they should have been alerted when he started moving around. As soon as he got up. Yeah, of like, oh, shit. And the suit tracks your vitals, so if they thought he was going to die, they wouldn't have cared. But if his vitals are still up and running, they didn't even, like, leave anyone to... Make sure. Yeah, or they didn't finish the job. Like, these are lazy ninjas. These are bad ninjas. horrible. Ninja assassins... They are not. No. No. Horse shit. So he escapes easily, obviously, because he's got his trusty crowbar. Yeah, there's a lot of lasers, but he makes it through. It's during his escape that Gordon overhears a doctor and a security guard discussing a new weapon. And the security guard is like, oh, man, this thing's awesome. And the doctor's like, don't let it overheat. Something bad could happen. Yeah, They say it's very unstable. It's unstable. That's right. And then, of course, it explodes and kills them both. And Gordon immediately walks over. He's like, ooh, I want that weapon. This day couldn't get worse. No. Fuck it. Let's roll the dice. I just watched this thing kill two people that were using it. I'm going to buy lottery tickets after this. Right. <laughs> Gordon is on the hottest streak of his life. He really is. Now, I like this game, too, because I remember feeling like the puzzle solving aspect of it makes you feel really smart. Right. Because you have to really think outside of the box to the point where you're like, I feel like I should be able to shoot through this wall. And then you can. And then that is what you were supposed to do all along anyway. So there's some, like, hidden solutions that may not always be, like, physically the correct answer, but make sense in this world. Yeah, or, and it's really Are the cool. only ways to progress. And so there's this one part where you're inside of an, a ventilation, like, system. Fucking dieharding it up. So much diehard. And there's and also aliens, where, where you're in that really dark, tight corner, then you see the aliens coming at you inside of that thing. You gotta take your crowbar and... I got hard aliens vibes. Oh, yeah. It's all... It's it's very horror. It's it's horror aliens. Totally. It's, it's all those kinds of things. And so all these... It's really cool because all the bullet holes start flying through and it's, like, coming towards you and you can see the light poking oh, through. Oh, that's great. And so the whole system, like, falls through to the ground and then there's all these security guards and Gordon's gotta murder a whole bunch of people, but... Totes. It's, it's a really cool action sequence that the game gets. Yeah. So during all of this commotion, Gordon finds out that the military is just going to back out now. They're over it. The military is over it. They're just going to blow the whole fucking thing up. Yeah, they're like, it's not worth it. These it, fucking science nerds keep killing our dudes and they're rolling in with like military training. So I think they're using that satellite Gordon launched into space or whatever because they're saying like, all right, just give us the coordinates. And Gordon's like, well, I'm not going to let you blow everything up, but there's a couple things I do need blown up. (laughs) So he like directs them to those things. That's that like grid thing, right? That's the grid section. Yeah. So yeah, it looks almost like an etch-a-sketch going up and down. He like pinpoints where he wants it to go. So he's to blow some shit up that he needs to be blown up anyway. Right. And then Gordon goes and he finds this weapons inventor. And this weapons inventor 
doesn't think weapons should kill people. But he invents this fucking Ghostbusters ass looking machine that like shoots a laser with like a twirly gig coming out of it and it just obliterates anything it touches. Pacifist. But he's a pacifist. He, right. He's like, no, weapons shouldn't kill, but you don't seem to have a problem murdering everybody. So, so I guess it's he, fine. He literally says something along those lines. Like, you don't seem to care about killing. So here, you take this gun. Fucking ridiculous. Great logic, sir. Right. So since this game doesn't really have stories and more a loose succession of missions, Gordon's latest mission is to go through a portal into the other dimension where he can shut down the ability for these aliens to come into our dimension. I think you mean he went subatomic like Ant-Man and brought his crowbar to defeat the Thanos of Half-Life or some shit. That's what I have. I put Thanos in this as well because that's kind <laughs> of the whole universe that he goes into. He's in the Soul Stone, right? It's red. Yeah, well, it's it's that's more where, where Th- no, I, I wouldn't count Infinity War, but like where Thanos was in the first Avengers, and floating the second out Avengers, in space, floating out in space on those rocks, on his throne, on his throne, just kind of loose leaf rocks in the space void is what I put. Okay, so. The way he gets there, though, is it's very similar to the beginning of the game with that same kind of electro field room when he's got to push the mystery substance in to open up this portal. But this time yeah. he's got experience. He knows what he's doing. He's had his hazmat suit on. He's right. fine. This time when the when he gets teleported to another dimension, he's like fucking ready. Yeah. It's he, not a surprise teleportation this time. This time he knows about it. He's got his wrench, so he's good to go. Yep. And he gets there, and the aliens there are so much fucking worse than the ones that have been on Earth with him so far. They seem more sentient in this world. And maybe it's just because they have the home field advantage because I assume oh, yeah. they're from there. Like, um, when, like in, <laughs> to bring it back, Avengers where, like, they come down to Earth and they're just kind of loose-leaf murdering. Right. But I'm it's, sure if you went to, like, where Loki's army is from, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we got we this. We have and civilization. We understand. And we have, like, drinking fountains and municipal pools and stuff. <laughs> Which is Presumably. Weird, because you see these aliens, and the first aliens that you encounter there are these giant spider-like creatures with I didn't like those. five-foot nut sacks hanging out underneath them, just really dangling like in Gordon's face. And for being giant nut sacks, they take for so much damage. They're not sensitive. They're not sensitive nut sacks. No, no. He, he has to fire at these goddamn things so much. It's a really unload on the nut sacks. Really unload. And it, I mean, I say spider, it's only four-legged, but it's gigantic. They're spiny? They're just they're spindly. Cre- spindly. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. creepy. It's, it's super cre- they look creepy. They look like those like um underwater crabs that have the crazy long legs and they're mm-hmm. bumpy and shit and their body yeah, does the not match their crabs legs. Crabs or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. And, and I was thinking like as soon as Gordon gets to their home planet, I was thinking of that scene in um Galaxy Quest where he's like, Is there air? You don't, don't know. know. Yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of vibe I was getting. Cause he just teleports to another dimension and and goes, this is fine. We're going to go figure out what's causing this. Arguably, he might have oxygen in his hazmat suit to play devil's avocado. It's true, but do you think it was pressurized? Fair enough. No, I don't. Because this world makes no fucking sense. No sense I thought whatsoever. he went subatomic <laughs> and went inside the nuclear That's, blast. I mean, he could have. He, he could have. It doesn't explain it. That could it. actually be all these things are is just microbes that have been enlarged to human size. Right. Because they look. I mean, I have a note that says the facehuggers look like a facehugger face-fucked Mike Wazowski. Okay. Like, they're fucking weird as shit. Yeah, they're, they're not 
they don't look exactly like what a normal face hugger looks like. There's, yeah. It's like at these like four corners. Each corner is like a tooth that wraps around. It's, oh. it's like a kabuto. Like, it makes no fucking sense. But, right. So he's out in this. He transports into this other space void. Space void. And there's nutsack spiders. He has his trusty crowbar. Like, I got this, y'all. Yeah. He's going to handle the, saving the world. Like, how much of a dick swinger did he feel, though? Being like, guess I'm going to space today. I mean. Again. Again. Right. This is the second time in that day that he's it's gone to space. It's 4 p.m. I mean, he does have the most experience out of anybody. He is 27. He is 27 years old. He was there for four seconds before. So. So I, that's fair. He's kind of got this. Yeah. I mean, he can't send the colonel in. No, he can't. So he gets to find what is causing all of this. And it's the most obvious thing in the world that would be the cause of all this. I'm fucking mad about this. Why are you mad about this? It's dumb as hell. What, the fact that it's a giant floating fetus creature. It's baby Thanos. With, like, branches coming out of it. It's so fucking creepy. It looks a little like Dear David. Have you seen the art of Dear David? Where it's, yeah, Dear David. Yeah, it's yeah. like the creepy baby with a giant head. It has a dent in it, and it's got these tiny little arms and his fat-ass tummy, mm-hmm. but he's creepy as shit. Like the baby from, like, 2001, 2010, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, the Alan McBeal baby. Mm-hmm. But, the, like, evil. Yeah. And alien oh, It's, like, so gross and creepy. And, again... It takes so much firepower to take this fucking thing down. Do you think that that was inspired? Because this is a game from 98. 98. So they're like, what's the scariest thing we can do right now? And in the 1998 world, the scariest thing is that fucking baby. So yes, this giant fetus thing. He's kind of a mummy? A little bit of a mummy. It's all sorts of different things. A demon? Demon, fetus. Oh, you know what? Zombie, creature, baby. The scientist in Nightmare Before Christmas that builds Sally. Okay. He's in the wheelchair. He's got the, the glasses. That guy was a baby. Yeah. A fetus. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just outside of his lab coat. If he was just naked. Ugh, why are you putting that in my head? Because I fucking saw it in Half-Life. Okay. <laughs> well, eventually, you can take it down enough that its head explodes open and exposes oh! a crystal. Obviously. The soul stone. The Whatever. The most obvious thing to have happen. And you got to shoot the crystal by floating up into the air and there's, like, magic platform jumping and shit. I, yep. The game gets really fucking weird. Standard stuff. I don't remember it getting this weird, but it really does get this weird. So you got to shoot it, it explodes, <laughs> and the whole baby, and the whole other dimension, and everything explodes, and it sends everything to the darkness. You broke a fucking universe. A universe by shooting a baby in the skull. That's fair. It's the crystal skull. <laughs> So clearly this game is like wildly relevant to all the pop culture. All the pop culture. <laughs> all of it. It's the inspiration for everything. Everything is Half-Life. Seen. Everything is Half-Life. So Freeman, he wakes up and he's with that men in black dude. And they're like in the ruins, basically. Yeah, they're they're on like, I, I described it as an alien elevator. Yeah. Just going down. They, they kind of keep teleporting around to different locations from the game, but... There's no danger anymore. He's just talking to you, and you just got to listen to him. He's mm-hmm. basically saying that he he hired you for this job. Right. But he doesn't tell... Like, you've never met this person before, but he's like, I, I knew you. I wanted you to be the person. I knew you were the right person for the job, and I wanted you to do all this, which makes no sense. Right. And he's saying, so we've got control of the other dimension, even though I thought we blew up the other dimension. <laughs> what other dimension, sir? Yeah, so the military now controls the other dimension. Or what's left of it. What's left of it. And 
finally you teleport onto like that work tram again, but this tram's like going through light speed, like this. It's, it's a all lot blackness of darkness and like yeah. the lights coming at you. And he just he just looks at you and he goes, "All right, well, you have the option of you can join us in the battle against these creatures, or you can fight against us and we'll just kill you right now." And you really only get the option of joining them. Here's my thing. Okay. He got a job offer because he burned down his place of work. That's fair. You can't do that shit to Cinnabon. No. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that makes you lose your job. Yeah. That's, Cinnabon. That's, that's usually a red flag. Like, yes, he did show great problem-solving skills. I assume he's a brilliant scientist because he's 27, presumably fresh out of fucking college. Right. And working in this secret lab, but also... But also, he's he done killed. so many experiments on him that he looks 50. <laughs> It's a rough 27. It's a rough 27. Yeah. So he chooses to join the bad guy that started all of this, and that's the end of the game. And he, the the proposition is, if you jump through this portal, you take the job. Yeah. So And there's only the option of jumping through the portal. Yeah, you can't just wait it out, like, the speed modes of Far Cry, where you just sit there and nothing happens and the game ends. Right. It's, you go through the green portal, and it's through the tram door that you use to walk into work. So I guess there's some parallel of... Once you leave the tram, this is where the adventure begins. Yeah. Kind of thing. But he hasn't showered. No. I'm more concerned about the humanity of Gordon than I am about... And he like, hasn't done his paperwork, his onboarding yet. Right? He, you have to have your passport or your social security card and um, a driver's, driver's license, license, typically. Yeah. Typically, for your I-9s. Yeah. Like, do you have a voided check for your direct deposit? You know, I'm sure that stuff all transfers over from the agency into... Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's more of a promotion or a lateral move. Yeah, I think so. So, this shit's bonkers. It wasn't what I remembered it being. Like I said, I think it's more, now that I look back, it's the gameplay that I remember and not necessarily the story. Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of that was gratification of the problem solving and the puzzle solving yeah. that you got to do. And especially, like, you said 8th grade, so you're, what, 13? 13 years old. And also, games didn't have big stories. Mm -hmm. This was a huge story for its time. What is? How long is the campaign for this? God, I don't remember. I'm probably about 12 hours. Okay. Maybe 8. 8 to 12 hours. Somewhere in that range, depending yeah. on how skilled you are, if, how well, you, how quickly you grasp the puzzles. If I did it at my friend's house, like in a day, two days, like maybe over a weekend, I probably did it. You Cute. Know? I would hate so much to have two little teenage boys in my bedroom playing on my computer. Bless your friend's parents. Yeah. They were, Can we just throw that out there? They were good people. Yeah. Um, so I was left with a few questions and was inspired to create some content for this. Oh, you in, you created content? Yeah. Okay, tell Let's, me. We'll, we'll go through the questions first. So is Gordon cool? The coolest. All the doctors there want to be him. And I think that's why they like him. Okay. Yeah. Because he's silent. He's like the calm like silent hero he clearly had a cigarette tucked behind his ear and like... yeah the whole time and <laughs> that's why everybody worshipped him so much it wasn't necessarily he was a smart man he was a cool man okay yeah and it, presumably we just like it's a situation where when he speaks it's important kind of a listen up when he talks kind of thing like this kid's right. got something going on even okay. though he never speaks who would play him if they was a film adaptation today Oof. Well, that's the problem, because like I said, he looks like Walter White in the like on the boxes and stuff. So I would yeah. say Brian Cranston, don't do gray hair, do like brown hair and like season one, make him as young looking as possible. And yeah, you can get a killer Gordon Freeman of it, but he's supposed to be 27. Yeah. And when we see when we meet 
Walter White, he's turning 50. So, <laughs> so you know who I think would be good is the guy that's playing Jesse and Preacher. Not Jesse, not just, sorry. Um, the vampire? The vampire. Okay. Um, Cassidy. He, he, tall, lanky, a little rough around the edges. Yeah, he doesn't need to talk, so... It, just that those eyes. Accent doesn't need to matter, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I see him. He looks like Krieger from Archer. Okay. But that's an animated TV show. I know. So maybe let's just animate it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I adjust my question. All right. Um, I wrote that we should adapt the term monorail log. Monorail log. For the first part. Where... Okay. So it's a monologue, but it's a monorail <laughs> it's log. It's a monorail. Monorail log. Um, and then I just thought it was really funny that he's the only person hasmat it up during the entire game. Yeah, right? Like, like, not even the army people who are going in knowing that this is a nuclear facility. They are like, we have goggles. Well, it's fascinating because at the beginning of the game, when you go to get the hazmat suit, there's three containment units for hazmat suits, and two of them are gone. Oh, that's right. So there's only one left. So there's ostensibly two people running around in hazmat suits. Theory. Okay. This was an interview for the man in black, and the other two hazmat suits failed. Ooh. And we're going... And or Gordon was the first person to solve all the puzzles and reach the end. So do you think putting the mystery substance into the thing doesn't necessarily cause all that stuff to actually happen, but it kind of sends you to a parallel dimension where all this stuff is going on and there's it's like... It's a simulation! It's almost like a simulation. Not necessarily a simulation, but it's a parallel universe where this stuff is going on. And a normal Earth is still going on normal. That's fascinating. Because that's why there's two hazmat suits there this is getting into like that overwatch territory where we're like looking at the suits and trying to figure out where the missing ones are yeah. um i like that though because obviously the man in black is watching over you maybe he facilitated something where gordon is late so they could stagger it yeah and the way he's watching you is almost as if he's untouchable right you know it's like almost, in a simulation like yeah exactly like or that he's like a real thing inside of a simulation so he's just watching and that's also why gordon's kind of unkillable also like unless he really fucks up yeah so there's some untouchable elements to these two specific characters Mm -hmm. and specifically with the man in black he is no sort of safety on him at all none whatsoever it's literally just a black suit right it's right he's straight up a man in black so why can he float through these dimensions and And if you're the only one wearing a suit you might be in like a full haptic suit like in ready player one and you're actually just like floating in like a vat of water somewhere and like moving your arms and legs and shit and that's all this all is it's the matrix y'all it's the matrix they matrix the fuck out of gordon i'm gonna be on reddit for a few hours tonight (laughs) just so you know i just created an entirely new rabbit hole i'm sure that i'm sure they've discussed kind of like okay well we see that there's three hazmat suit tubes you go to the middle one but the other two are missing what Mm -hmm. happened like they couldn't have been fucked up because it clearly the tubes keep those clean and like and also just with all the shit gordon goes through these things are durable as fuck this might also feed into why there's only like three different characters that are generated as npcs in the game though why you only see the same scientists because it's because it's a fucking simulation damn i'm losing my fucking mind you really are <laughs> I just opened up a whole new bag of worms for you. Didn't yeah, <laughs> and I don't know anything about the second one, so who knows? No, that's good because the second one, I think that's where people start to remember storyline. Okay, that's where. How? What was the gap between this? So this was released in 1998. 
Well, how long would you say it was before the second one came out? Oof, it was still a long time. I mean, probably six, seven years. Okay, so a lot of development from there. Like, um, we see Unreal Engine being kind of started, and it's, like, really picking up by then. Um, yeah. We're in the mid-2000s at that point, probably. I, the Half-Life series didn't get the Unreal Engine. They use a different oh. engine, but, like, it's their own build and stuff, and it's fantastic. I can't remember what the name is off the top of my head, but they do okay. have a separate build for that. There are ties to Unreal, though, right? Like, didn't some of the developers that worked on this work on building Unreal? Um, so the same team that started, um, were on the same team as the people that started Quake, which is their team built the Unreal Got engine. it. Yeah, so the, they all came from Microsoft. They were all on the same team at Microsoft together, and then they both split off and created their own games. Very cool. But they were both successful. They're both, like, highly lauded in the video game, like, community and stuff, so it's... I mean, if you look at it, without Half-Life, Valve wouldn't have evolved into what it is today, where they created Steam, which... It's the way you buy video games yeah. <laughs> now on, on PC. It's the only way you buy video games on PC now. Right. And it's it's so weird to think that just a single video game about this guy, Gordon Freeman, goes on to essentially reinvent PC gaming. That's so wild. And not just because of the video game type, but just the system they create behind it. Yeah, it's wildly innovative and like it the innovation goes beyond its own legacy, which is so incredible. Right. But then you can also argue that because of that innovation, we have completely ruined any chance we will ever have of finishing this fucking series. Okay, so I know there's been a lot of controversy over waiting for Half-Life 3. Is that genuinely part of the story that they want to tell? And here's the thing. there's It depends on which Half-Life 3 you're talking about. So here's I what happened. I don't fucking know. There's Half-Life 2, and Half-Life 2 got two DLCs, Episode 1 and Episode 2. They said there was going to be an episode three that oh. never happened. So there's 2.3 and then there's true three. Correct. That's why I say it's like, which three are you waiting for? Are you waiting for episode three? I think people would be more than fine with skipping episode three and going straight into Half-Life 3. Full campaign. Totally be fine with that. So, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. You know, I think yeah. it'll happen the same time we get Portal 3. It's just, <laughs> I, I like that there was a theory at one point that the Portal series was setting up for the next chapter of Half-Life. Right. And it didn't. Okay, so you've played th these games and you've been diehard and I've kind of watched the peripheral. Portal just annoys me. I can't, I can't play it myself. Right. But I love the lore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just too impatient to do puzzles. Right. Um, so... How tightly do you feel those worlds are connected? Because GLaDOS mentions Black Mesa, mm -hmm. and there's some kind of allusion to it as Shell is going through and kind of getting through a facility. Um, the timelines don't seem to make sense. There's things about Mars. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, that's the problem. With, with Portal especially, the times don't make sense. Right, because... At all. The Between the moment Shell genuinely enters a facility and the time we catch up with her in the game... It's been so long that vines are growing inside of a scientist facility. And it looks like it could have been decades have gone by and she's been in like a cryo sleep or some yeah. shit. Like I was thinking hundreds. Aging. Yeah, hundreds of years could have gone by. And there's something about a boat in Portal 2 that connects to a boat in Half-Life 2. I don't know the full connection to it. Okay. I don't know the full story. That People have always theorized that that's going to get explained later. But there is no later. <laughs> so we'll do we'll do Half Life Two for sure in a future episode. There's actually Half Life One got too many episodes. Oh, rad! Uh, one of them is from the point of view of one of the security guards, 
That's and cool. One of them is from one of the point of view of one of the military guys that goes in to like clear out the facility. Those are sad stories, I assume. Yeah. Because they don't have as bright a future as Dr. Gordon Freeman. Well, I know, spoiler alert, the security guard does appear in Half-Life 2. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, they do let that character make it through. I don't know about the military guy in that storyline. Okay, fair enough. So maybe we'll do minisodes for those ones, gearing up for Half-Life 2, and then we'll do Half-Life 2 episodes 1 and 2. I'm excited for that. So stay subscribed for the rest of that series. Um, Yeah. As mentioned, as we kind of tie a bow on this weird alien face fucker journey, (laughs) I I mentioned I created some content for this. Oh, that's right. You did. And I'd like to perform it for you. Please. Half-Life. A haiku. Some bad science shit. Gordon kills the face huggers. Where are the Asians? Thank you. Thank you. I was very loopy last night. You really were. <laughs> I think I was half asleep and would just open my eyes and go, fuck that guy. <laughs> go back to sleep and then <laughs> take a note that just said lasers and then wake up and be like, I'm going to write a poem about representation. Okay. Yeah. Representation <laughs> in video games. So that is my haiku for this episode. Um, and thank you all so much. Um, all of our contact information is going to be listed in the show description. Yep. If you have games that you want us to fall down the rabbit hole with, or maybe even write haikus about, let me know. I'll write all the haikus. Or she won't. Or I will forget immediately and not do it. And let us know what you think about the new format. Make sure that this is the one that we want to stick with because, you know, this show's going to be growing until it reaches its apex. And then we have to kill the baby in the space. Yes. Yes. Blow open its brains. Right. Because the nut nut spiders are moved. I don't get this. You know, I'm sure it made sense in context. <laughs> it made a lot more sense then. <laughs> All right, Goombas, until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Andrea. Thank you so much. End game. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>